Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Record. Mm. We're back. It's been a little while. A couple weeks? Not since we've talked, but since the people have heard us talking. Right. Mm. Right. I I put out some new music yesterday. Did you? Mm Mm-hmm. Where is it? Tell me. Is it on the YouTube? it's on Bandcamp. I'll put a link in the thing, but I'll I'll text you guys a link as well. Bandcamp? Yeah. It's connordanstrom.bandcamp.com. Dude. Very cool. connordanstrom.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. How'd you come up with that name? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it's my Look stage name. Cool. <laughs> Dude, you have a stage photo on there. Man. That's from a fishing trip. Uh, a friend of mine is a kind of a photographer, and he was just taking pictures of people randomly. And uh, I thought that's that's one of the cooler photos that's ever been taken of me because <laughs> I, I wasn't looking. Yes. Yeah, I actually I don't like taking photos. That's a good one, man. Yeah, that is. Nice. This is your face. That's the side of your face that isn't all messed up and stuff. Yeah. Nice. From leaves a from little, the, leaves a little mystery as to what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. From the warts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what happened on the other side of his face, Rob? Um, you know, like the just the, the badness with the when yeah. the acid came and hit yeah. your face. It was the it was, yeah, like the acid. <laughs> it was citric acid. It was from a lemon, but so it didn't really do that much. But so we it exacerbated like the already his, ugly side. You can see <laughs> Like his, you can see his back molars when he smirks and stuff. It's weird. Oh, he has one just <laughs> really dead tooth. It's black. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it. You're like Two Face. All right, Connor Danstrom is a Catholic priest. He lives in Chicago. That's that's the information provided. That's good. You don't have anything on Three Dogs North, dude. What the heck? No. Wait, is Three, this... Dogs, Three Dogs North is to point people to my music. I don't point people to the podcast for my music. I'm tracking. Dang it. Uh, so is this one, is this new one, Dora Lydia? Dora Lydia. Dora yeah, that's Lydia. Doris's full name. Oh, nice, so the, main, the main song oh. is the one I wrote about her. Oh, Dora, okay, Dora Lydia. Cool. Oh, wow. That's pretty special, man. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, and Danielle Center drew the uh, the flower on the cover. Um, wow, cool. Which is really great. And my brother did the text and stuff, the design. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah, I've been working on it for some time. Just here and there. Are you pleased with the uh, the finished product? I, I think so. Um, it's always a little nerve-wracking when you put something out because you don't know if people are going to like it. But I'm just sort of... I think I'm more over it now. Like when you do something artistic. But some people are just going to be like, what? <laughs> I don't like it. Um some people are going to be like, wow, I really like it. So already, actually, um, John Liddy, he, I think, was following me on Bandcamp already. And uh, it notified all my followers that it, 
a new thing was out and he already bought it and was like, Hey, I actually like this. <laughs> nice. Cool. So that felt good to just have hey. one. <laughs> hey, this isn't terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the rudest compliment ever. Yeah. Very cool, dude. Have you has our buddy uh Joe Pug listened to it? Do we know? Actually, no, it's John Schaller, who's emailed us before. So Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um No, I I don't want to tell Joe that I write music because I feel like he'd be like cool dude i write homilies you want to hear them you know? <laughs> <laughs> like my hobby is your profession yeah that's true conscious any hooski but uh it's all free to stream on that app it'll be on spotify in july but if people but want to proceeds it, go to uic newman center though right exactly mm-hmm. and i'm kind of psyched we got another uh, proceeds to go out to the Newman Center thing coming out this morning, a YouTube video that me, Monica, and Becca made um, of me walking around the empty campus looking for students and just like a psych up for the fall when people start coming back, hopefully, God willing, trying to raise a little money for, for the Newman Center this summer. Good, dude. So good. that's been my focus. Mm. No Talk. pun intended. Mm. Oh, nice. So uh, obviously, Dora was a big a big part behind the the album and uh, for the one song, Dora Lydia. Um, was there anything else that were driving forces behind it? Like, what's your inspiration? Oh, I uh, well, I wrote that one song and I thought about Doris, and I thought I would like to just record like a simple version of this and just put it out as a single, just to share it. And then other songs kind of came up. Um, a couple I wrote in the past few months, and then a couple older ones. And I don't know. It just sort of crystallizes. Oh, this this kind of makes sense together. I don't know. It's like when you do a painting or something. You just start doing it, and it kind of tells you what its character is. Um, I had a few people listen to it. It's it's hard when you're doing something. I don't know if you found this when you're painting Mike or Rob when you're um, shotgun hunting or whatever your artistic outlet is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this kind of this conversation it makes me want to have talents. But anyway, <laughs> continue. <laughs> but you just uh, you I don't know. You kind of start, and then you don't know. You need somebody else to look at it to tell you. Are you just like tinkering around and you think this is kind of neat, or is this actually something that connects with people? Mm. Um, and so a couple of people I trust, I sent it to, and a couple of people responded and they were like, yeah, I really, I do like this. You know, it's not, it's nothing earth shattering. It's nothing that's going to catch fire on Spotify, but I'm proud of it. That's awesome. I still cool, listen dude. to your first album, Why the Water Came, quite a bit. Nice. It's good, dude. Yeah. I've made uh, $12 on that on Spotify. Dude. Wow. Massive. Yeah, Very nice. in a year. You're rich. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was on Spotify. Yep. Cool. It's on all the streaming things. It's not hard to do that. If anybody's interested in putting music up uh, online, I use a thing called DistroKid, and you just upload it as a as WAV files, upload your album art and your lyrics, and it's 
diffuse it out to every streaming service there is apple music spotify pandora shazam if people shazam it if they hear my music it'll show isn't that them. isn't that a 1990s movie with shaquille o'neal like you think of kazam it, that's kazam. oh common kazam. common misconception oh man Which, by the way speaking of shaquille o'neal uh i just feel like online there's a lot of retro basketball videos just popping up in my feeds in mm. different places and is it because you've been I, watching the last dance i don't know but there was one with Shaq just absolutely owning the floor when he was playing for the Lakers. And it was like, how did they let this guy in the NBA? It's unfair. <laughs> Actually, I did see a the same things happening on my feed. So I don't know. Maybe that's just what's being produced right now. Because right. there's no actual basketball. So they're just kind of going through the old greats. Uh but there, I remember we asked who would win between Rodman. Well, who would win between the Bulls and that Lakers team with mm-hmm. Kobe yeah. and Shaq? And I sent and you that video where they did play each other, right? They, mm. You sent me the video when uh, Jordan and Pippen had to tackle Rodman. Yeah, that was the Lakers game. And Kobe and Shaq Lakers were on that team? team. Yeah. Maybe oh, Shaq dang. wasn't. Yeah, no, no. No, was Shaq wasn't Shaq. on that team yet. I think so. I think Rodman was guarding him. What? I can't remember. I, I do remember that video sure? now. I'll, yeah. I'll put it in the link description or whatever. I put the link in the description. Dude, Shaq is insane. Man, there's some clips you can find of him in high school when they're like just interviewing him before he goes to LSU. And he straight up rips the rim off of a backboard. Yeah, there was. I remember <laughs> several highlights when he was coming up of him shattering glass backboards yeah not like he's so heavy he pulls the goal over but he (laughs) he de-rims a hoop it's insane dude like almost breaks his neck doing it yeah uh but but there's somebody put together a clip of rodman guarding Shaq, and Mm. like absolutely shuts him down in the second half and i was like wow dude i mean they're like double and triple teaming him but but nonetheless, Rodman, Rodman put the D on him. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if that would work every time, but dude, they're both just, they're both just freakazoids, man. Yeah. I feel like the NBA in that era was a lot more about defense than it is now. Like, you just see scores in NBA games, and they're like regularly in the one twenties and one thirties. You know, like Golden mm. State just hitting thirty threes in a game. No. But in those days, man, it was brutal. The defense, people getting hacked. Yeah, their fights were way more common. Mm-hmm. You could beat each other up pretty good. Yeah, this is a good old man conversation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you remember they were tougher back in our day. <laughs> this it's hardly basketball now. <laughs> we could take them, no doubt about it. We put a little team together. We could take these kids now. <laughs> If they if they let us play by the old school rules, obviously, right? right. Yeah, if we're oh, if we're yeah, we're playing old school for sure. Yeah, you dude, don't no, foul dude. out until you have like twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my dad he cannot watch the NBA without going like every two minutes. No, that's even too much. Maybe every minute. That's just travel, travel, <laughs> <laughs> travel. Do you see that double dribble? Travel, travel, travel. Like dad, stop. It's what the, it's what the people want. Okay, <laughs> it's what the people want. <laughs> He gets to travel. 
Nobody, Dad, nobody cares. Travel, travel, travel. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, whatever happened to, to the chest pass? Yeah. Just some good old, just to get a good old layup, huh? What mm-hmm. about the that? The pick and roll. The pick and roll. Is it, this used to be a team sport. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> travel, travel, travel. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dad, just please. Wait, I have I ever told you about Larry Bird, Dominique Wilkins, <laughs> Ring a Bell, huh? Gosh. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, Rob, what have you been up to, dude? Moving. Um, Yeah, honestly, not too much new since the last time we talked. I'm going to take a few days off next week. Go see my folks and my siblings and stuff just to relax a bit. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about getting moved and everything. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think past that. Got um, everything packed up? Uh, not quite, but, but almost. Yeah. This is an old man conversation. That's about <laughs> it, man. The, uh, gotten to visit with the, the focus team come to SAUE. They seem oh, awesome. Nice. Shout out to them. Yep. So that's been really good. And yeah, man, I don't have too much to, to report. What have you guys been up to? <laughs> Uh, yesterday morning, I tried to repeat it this morning, but my younger brother FaceTimed me yesterday morning and he has this, his little, his little daughter, my niece is like the most beautiful little girl. And I don't know if y'all have ever had that or you just wake up to like, I'm looking at my phone now, but I'm just waking up to this super cute little girl. And it was I tried it again this morning and they didn't answer, um, but it was an absolutely pleasant way to wake up. I don't know if y'all have mm-hmm. ever had that before, uh, and it just got my day off to the, it, geez, start in the right direction, man. That's how you wake up on the right side of the bed. Mm. Get get one of your little nieces and nephews to wake you up. Love it. It is true. That's awesome. I remember yeah. years ago staying at my brother's house and sleeping on a couch in his basement. I was probably in the seminary at the time. Um, and he lived out in the far Western suburbs. So I stayed the night, uh, and it was probably like nine, nine thirty. I was sleeping in a little bit and, but I was in that where you're kind of awake, but kind of like, maybe I'll sleep another 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I could hear tiptoeing down the stairs and then I kept my eyes closed and I could just feel my two nephews like three feet away from me whispering to each other looks like he's still sleeping (laughs) (laughs) just like waiting for me to get up so we could hang out oh that's the best man it's awesome that is the best have y'all been able to see your nieces and nephews very often or your family i facetimed with my niece uh on her birthday three days ago um gabby she's 11 and she loves facetime um, she got a bunch of presents and she was explaining to me every, and it's amazing too. You don't think about this with kids, but they're like better at using the phone than us. Um, so she's like very adroitly switching between selfie mode and, uh, facing outward mode to show me presents and talk to me. And she's walking around the house and it's just like, we're in the same room. Um, but that, yeah, it's fun. Don't get to see him enough, but Love it when I do. 
That was same. a nice worse of the use of the word adroitly. Thanks. I don't even know what does that word mean. I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, like, could you could you let Mike know what that word means? Just, <laughs> just for in. the listeners, it yeah. just means like uh, I think it etymologically comes from uh, you know French adroit means to the right, so kind of like dexterous means right-handed. Um, I think it just means like skillfully because your right hand is usually better than your left hand if you're normal or, or just naturally yeah you can ease to it mm-hmm. for the listeners though can you explain the word etymologically <laughs> 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 yeah man that's that is definitely sweet all right so i'm about to go to the beach with my family we got a little beach home that we rent um sometimes we'll yeah, sometimes we'll go to a lake, but I guess this this summer we're we're going out to a beach, and thank goodness this rental company is going to be open, so all of our camp plans have been able to come to fruition here in a little bit. But it's like the one big family gathering, and we rent out this huge Mondo beach home, and we just shove everybody in there, you know, <laughs> and it's it's just crazy, man. It's and it's so fun, but. It's like, you know, just a solid amount of time where we all get to spend with one another and um, like live, live with one another, which is just a very different feel than uh, than just checking in here and there, which is still nice. But waking up with all these children that are going to be around, you know, all these nieces and nephews and watching them encounter the ocean for the first time and and all these new things that um you know, it's wild. I, I can remember thinking, what's it going to be like at the beach when I don't have any young, younger siblings that were like, they can't swim or we have to feed with a spoon or something like that. Mm. And, and now we're, we're like back to that stage <laughs> with younger children. And, and it's like super delightful. You know, it's not, I can't wait till we can all just be independent, but like, we're going to have all these little babies that are going to be there and it, and it just changes the whole dynamic of the vacation. Mm. So I am wildly excited for that. Yeah. I think kids do totally change a, um, a gathering like that because even though they add work, there's, there's just something about like seeing through the eyes of somebody who's never, seen something or done something before everything is funnier like i was over at a friend's house the other day and his little three-year-old boy uh got a bloody nose and i think it was his first ever bloody nose at least that he was conscious of and he walks in with like blood smeared all over his face and just sort of this look in his eye like what's going on because he hadn't <laughs> looked in the mirror yet but he, it looked like something terrible had happened um and his dad, my my buddy, Brad, just goes, oh, man, are you okay? Oh, oh, dude, you got a bloody nose. Nice. <laughs> and the kid, <laughs> the kid had just walked in, blood dripping out of his face. He goes, I, I think I need to blow my nose. Because <laughs> oh. I, ha- I haven't had a bloody nose in a long time, but it does feel like you're, it's just like, why does snot keep coming out of my face? Why won't it stop? Because it's, it's a different feeling. <laughs> And I just thought, man, your first ever bloody nose and I was here for it. That's crazy. But there's like a million experiences that kids have not had that it's just sort of it reminds you of the wonder of life. 
you don't take it so routinely. Um, yeah. No, that's good. The it may, it's making me think. One, it does just man, the family stuff when kids are involved, it does change it so much. But it's so much dang more fun of shifting. Yeah, I mean, just like Christmases and things like that are so so different. It does. It kind of makes me feel old. Of like, dang, I remember like my aunts and uncles acting like I act now, watching my nieces and nephews open presents and stuff like that, totally. which is awesome. But. It was also making me think of one of my favorite little getaways of the last few years. I went out to Lincoln to see the Hinnish family, Drew and Emily. I was godfather for their son, Thomas Drew. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was I was just out there for uh, a few days. The Grizz was godmother um, to, to this little guy. But we just hung out for like three three days because they have kids you know so we were just like at the house we literally our big outing was we went to shields like we went out to get you like qdoba for lunch and then just walked around shields for a couple hours because they have a nice little like candy store for the kids and it could you know keep them good and entertained but uh it was so dang much fun of like it wasn't about the like you're getting away to experience anything or or whatever but, you know, just out in Nebraska, going to Shields, and it was like the best getaway of the last couple of years. It was awesome. Hmm. It's just dang fun to be around them. Yeah. What, what is Shields? Oh, Shields is just like an outdoor store. Oh, um, okay. Like really nice. or Bass Pro yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even in Christmases when we all come together and, you know, well, everybody's starting their own families, and so... Um, if you can make it, you can make it, but you know, at certain points we're we're all just sitting around the living room watching the, the little ones, the nieces mm-hmm. and nephews play for like, dude. <laughs> and we're just loving it. They're loving it. And we're basically just providing whatever they need to have the best time possible and be safe and, um, and to enjoy one another. Like that's the whole focus is just them. And, you know, we're just sitting around and it just kind of happens naturally. And you have one of those, okay, look at us right now. What what are we doing? We're all just watching children for like the whole day, just watching them. And I thought, like, what did we do two years ago before any of these children existed? Like, what were we doing? Because <laughs> if they leave, like, what am I going to do? I just want to hang out with them. They're, they're they're the superstars here. They're like the light of, of these experiences here. Um, yeah, they're, they're such a joy to have the little kids. Love them. Most deaf. Of course that's coming from three celibates. Yeah. Know? Right. I also like leaving and then being by myself. <laughs> True. It's a nice balance. And I don't change diapers. Just don't do it. Oh man, dude. Connor, do you change diapers? I I think that's something I've never done. You've never changed a diaper? Not not in my recollection. I feel like that's something I'd remember doing. I've done it, but I yeah. just have I'm like, nope. Not doing that again. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You never You've know. Never done it though. Do you have no. a desire to? No. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> like it's really not too hard. Yeah, it's, when, it looks easy. Yeah, once you get it down, it's really not too bad. Unless it's mess, and then and then it's and then it can be pretty bad. If it's <laughs> for some reason, I'm thinking about this movie. I think it's called Beyond the Gates. It's a great. Uh, I got into watching priest movies for a while, like Hero Priest. And it's in the, um, I want to say the Rwandan genocide. There's a like English or Irish priest that's living in Rwanda at an orphanage slash school when the genocide breaks out. And the UN uses their school as a base. Um, and so the folks that are getting massacred kind of use the school as a, as a fortress because like the UN's orders are to not engage unless they're engaged. So that was a big controversy that they didn't protect these people as they're being massacred because technically they weren't being attacked. The UN wasn't being attacked, so their forces didn't didn't fight back. They just sort of allowed the thing to happen. Um, but anyway, there's just thousands and thousands of people in this um, school and its property, its grounds uh, inside the fences. And all this stuff is happening and the priest is in charge because it's a Catholic school. And he at one point delivers a baby. And I, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like figuring it out. But he's the most educated person there. And they're like, Father, she's having a baby. And he's like, uh, Go get some towels. And it's like a very dramatic scene where he's just kind of figuring it out. But for some reason, priest changing a diaper reminded me of that. Like, you just never know what uh, what your position is going to force you to to have to do. Um, sometimes you don't expect it. I I really don't know if I could deliver a baby. <laughs> Can I say that with confidence? <laughs> if you had to. <laughs> if you think if you had to, I don't know, man. I don't know either. I don't know either. That's hmm. Well, it does make me Have I or go ahead, Mike. No, I have no, a story. No, no, but, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 go no, on. It just makes me think of this insane story that is one really cool but it's insane of um, yeah, a priest I met several years ago told me this story of, he was just talking about like God wanting to fulfill desires and how he can do that in surprising ways and everything. But he talked about like, and he had been a priest 10 or 15 years and he always wanted to like, he just realized this desire. He wanted to witness a, a birth, like be there at a birth. And so somehow like people found out about this in the parish and he was like, he wouldn't talk about it a lot or anything, but somehow a conversation came up and this young couple who was having their first kid came to him and they were like, Hey father, like we, like we prayed about it. And you know, if no pressure at all, but if you like want to be there, we would like love you to be there in the delivery room with us. And um, so he was like in the delivery room with this young couple for their first baby and but his story was like hysterical in in the telling of it and apparently then other people in the parish thought it was like really cool and so he would keep getting asked to like offered but like he said the next one he was like i mean he just like let it be known very clearly he was like oh no like I never, ever, ever want to do that again. <laughs> like, nah, let, I'm good. Let that mean. 
ever. Uh, so how he told it made me one both honestly hope to never be in a delivery. I'll just come like when everybody's cleaned up and bless kids and stuff like that, you know, all good there. <laughs> um, but the, the story was hysterical. It was like, it was just very cool of this um, couple to like have that. I don't even know if it's comfort level with their priest. Again, I have zero zero desire for <laughs> yeah. that zero goose egg um but it was i mean to listen to him tell it was it was pretty awesome honestly um just because he was like yep actually i never ever want to do that again ever thanks lord for fulfilling that desire it is fulfilled <laughs> it's overflowing yeah well it it's, I mean, not the delivery story isn't making me think of the story for my life, but uh, this talk of children and you know, maybe I guess our relationship to them, both as nieces and nephews, but then, um, you know, as priests as well. I mean, it is kind of, kind of bizarre to take a step back and to hear, well, we're three celibates talking about the beauty of children and we'll never, we'll never have our own, you know, and that that's, there's something real and I guess, uh, tough, but beautiful about that as well. And I think that I had an experience last summer when I, when I first realized that, and you know, that the IPF, uh, process of, of growing into your celibacy and properly integrating it into your life, there, there's a, and I know some people don't always agree with this, but there's a, a process of of grieving your celibacy or grieving uh, the things that you're giving up as you grow in age and as you grow in various stages of life. So when you're younger, it's like, yeah, I'm going to give up marriage, but then you get older and it's like, oh, I'm going to give up children and and then um, going to give up um you know, grandchildren or, or having a lifelong partner or somebody that's going to be with me and, and know me. And, you know, so there's all these different stages to it that you have to legitimately suffer in order to integrate properly into your life. And I think for the first time last summer, I had an experience around the dang it, I'm never going to have children thing. And that makes me really sad. <laughs> uh, Cause I, you know, give up marriage. That's well, it's probably going to be a lifelong process, but I was really focused on that. And, uh, that, you know, obviously that's really, really hard, but I got to take some of my little brothers, one's 18, one's 16 and the other one's 10 last summer to a Braves game. And it was just so, it was so fun. You know, we got all of our Braves gear on, we got a new, new ballpark, uh yeah new brave stadium so i hop they all hop in my car we drive down i buy the tickets i got a buddy who i went to high school with he's actually the translator for the for the the braves baseball team so he travels with them and is super cool he's on tv all the time and so he hooks us up with these tickets and you know i'm, I'm buying all of them popcorn and uh you know cotton candy and just having like the ballpark experience with my younger brothers. But I mean, Chris is almost 20 years younger than me, you know? And so it, 
I got the feel, I think for the first time of like, man, this would be so fun to be able to do this as a dad and to take your old children, like to take your boys out to a ballpark and teach them the rules of baseball. And, and then afterwards we got to go down and meet some of the players and, uh, Chris was like <laughs> so nervous to talk to him that, you know, I had to like speak on his behalf, you know, Hey, this is my little brother. Could I get an autograph? And he signed his Jersey and, uh, and all these things. And Chris is just standing there and all like, Oh my gosh, this is Culberson from the Braves. And, and it, it, I think it was the first experience where it kind of hit home where it's like, man, I, this would be such a joy to be, to be able to do with my own children and mm-hmm. to teach my boys baseball and to have the ballpark experience with them. And, and like, thank, thanks be to God. Like the Lord's given me this really big, beautiful family where um, I know in some ways he'll fulfill it, but it's always also going to be different. Um, but it was, it was like, okay, this is maybe that next stage of growing into the, the celibate vocation here. Um, and, and I notice it comes out every now and again with the nieces and nephews like, oh man, look at these little guys. <laughs> what if I, you know, the what if I had my own little, little uh, poopers and and got to raise them and, uh, yeah. So the, I don't know if y'all have had any of those types of experiences where where I guess it kind of hits home like that. The realization of of the priestly vocation right now, the celibate vocation. Um, but it was new and it was tough, and it, it was tough in a different way. I think, and to go back to your Christmas thing, like what would we be doing if these kids weren't all playing and we're watching them and watching them in both senses of like kind of beholding them, but also take like watching them, like babysitting them, um, making sure they don't get hurt, make sure they eat on schedule and stuff like that. I think there's something too, like when you get to a certain age, you stop enjoying things so much what you start enjoying is other people enjoying them. And then you, you want to like create experiences for other people, share what you know with them, like, like teaching them how to play catch or drive or, um, I don't know. I think like with this, the coffee shop stuff and the gardening that I've been working on and been like refinishing furniture and doing all sorts of dad things lately, um, in preparation for, the kids that come back, the, the students, like I'm sort of like a father with no children around right now. Um, but what gets me up in the morning besides uh, prayer and mass and my own priestly life. Uh, podcasting. Podcasting, hobby music, and all the other things that I fill my day with is like preparing, trying to create an abundance for others, you know. And it's much, it's clearer here at the Newman Center that was in the parish because everybody here is younger than me. So um, even though I'm not old enough to be their father, it's much, it's a more of a father role than, you know, like church ladies tend to be older than me and stuff like that, which they're great. But um, there is, there is a certain instinct I think we have at 35 where it's like, part of what makes life worth living in the world worth loving is, is sharing it with people who don't know about it yet, you know? Um, so yeah, there's something to that. I, I think that's a reflection of God, you know, like how he delights in 
behold my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Like the father loves to delights in the son. Um, and I think, I think we've had those moments where you're just like, man, this is so fun to just watch you enjoy the beach or this Christmas present or whatever. Um, my heart is very full at this moment. You can get lost in that very easily. Whereas if you're like trying to create an experience for yourself at this age, where you're like, let's have Christmas and let's just do it like the way we like it. And we don't have these pesky kids around. Um, it's a drag. Could also get eaten and destroyed by said nieces and nephews. They'd mm -hmm. be like, no, we're not going to do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. It, yeah, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, no, I going back to, that's good stuff too, Connor, but I, I relate very much to what you were talking about, Mets, of, uh, yeah, this, there was a talk, I think I maybe sent it to you guys, um, I think it was one of the Kendrick guys, which, and they, they use this phrase like the ache of celibacy, and they, I mean, it, that's talked about probably elsewhere, I'm, I'm guessing, but it really helped. And a, a couple of priests have told me that too, of like, yeah, you just, and, and it's probably true in different aspects of any vocation, but as you get older and mature in, in different ways, yeah, that, that ache will continue to, um, to be there. And it, it is interesting, like seeing now it's like, oh man, I've definitely had those experiences with like friends with kids or, um, like certainly my nieces and nephews as, as well. I don't have like siblings in that same range that like are that much younger than, than me, but it's like, oh my gosh, this is, um, it's painful. In, in a way that it's like, oh gosh, this would be so amazing to write, like have you be able to um, teach like a son to play catch or, or whatever. And I don't know, that's just something that it is. I, I don't say that in any way, like it's just been a beautiful experience to be able to um, like y your heart kind of has, if you're relating that to Jesus and going back to, um, yeah, like knowing, knowing the father and living into the, the place exactly where he has you. It's, it's not that I want to run from that in, in any way, but it's like your heart grows to, you have like the capacity to carry the lack that is there as, as well. And this is like, it's just back to that communion with God thing, man, is that, you don't have to like shy away from expressing that to him of gosh, like priesthood is, I wouldn't trade it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this for anything. And even like celibacy as like core to my being to be generative and like a fruitful gift, both in my heart and to, to the world. But yeah, it still, it still hurts like to, to see this, um, in a lot of ways. So I very much relate to, to what you're saying there. At the risk of sounding dorky, uh, like actually the, the gardening has been, um, I'm not by any means good at it. I just, this is my first try at it, but planting a few things and like watching them grow 
Um, and I've got this strawberry plant that was just like, like this little leafy thing I got at Home Depot. And I'm like, oh, strawberries. I wonder if the, I could grow those. You know, I'm like totally innocent of what, uh, what it actually takes to garden. I'm just trying stuff. And I put it in this big pot and it's put out all these shoots and it's growing. It's filling the pot and it has like 15, 20 flowers on it now. And a couple of them are becoming berries before my eyes. And I'm like looking every morning at um, how big they are and, it was a, a thing I, I brought to prayer the other day. Um, my spiritual director had asked me, like, what is the governing grace right now? What is God trying to do? And that image of bearing fruit, which is constantly in the Bible, um, Old and New Testament, like the vineyard and the grapes and um, the fig tree and um, the vine and the branches. Like, apart from me, you can do nothing, but if you're connected, like, what is it, what does it take to bear fruit? Um, it just, it takes a long time. It's exciting as it's happening, but it's like not something that's immediate. You like, like you build something artificial. It's something natural and organic that takes like cultivation and patience, um, and doing the right thing every day, but it's like mysterious and reliable. You know, you don't know how it happens, but it just does. And I think that those are the, those are the graces in my priesthood that really stick with me, um, are not so much like one-off things that projects that I did. Um, but when I see things like that, I didn't do that God did through me because of my staying rooted and cultivated and, um, cultivating relationships with others and um, drawing them in to something because I love it. You know, I love Jesus, so I want you to know him. And that just, it does bear fruit. And it's also cool because it's exciting because you know more fruit is coming and I don't even know where it's going to pop up next, you know. Um, But I can watch it happening and wait for it to ripen and all this stuff. Um, And I think that that generativity... Like celibacy does have that priesthood does have that it's it can't not it's from god you know um you know what i mean dudes yeah it's just gonna it's gonna look a little bit different um well obviously it's gonna look different yeah but yeah the the egg the celibate egg that does that does bear fruit yeah it's uh (laughs) dude i mean we had megan ulrich on here a few weeks ago and i I think being a physical parent there's a similar ache you know yeah sure Um, no doubt no doubt yeah the pain of a mom yeah and a dad yeah yeah. absolutely no it's i mean i'm thinking of uh uh another kind of priest mentor of mine that talked about one time of I did this always just stuck with me because it's so simple, but, and it's hard to talk about like in this context of without using like different names and things like that in that, um, like fruitfulness of, of life. But that's, it's just so important. Like in just talking to the Lord, like simply praying that your prayer is like concrete and like very just rooted in 
in the world and what's right in front of you. But this priest, what he was talking about was like, yeah, different things that he had had gone through of a similar thing of just like life experience of getting a, a little bit older and growing up in, in a lot of ways. Um, but just that reality of no, like I wouldn't like this person, like this specific person with this name that looks like this, like at this place, um, like it's in their story and in their heart, like how they express it that like, I know that like my life has been fruitful to actually like bring someone the divine life um, in the person of Jesus. And it was just so beautiful to hear him talk about because it was so dang simple um, for him of, yeah, like I've, I've totally given up on trying to save the world or thinking that like, you know, to be fruitful in priesthood means that like tons and tons of people will know my name someday or like any type of like, yeah, whatever fame or accolades or, and not, and not like at a major scale, but even just the, the stuff that you can get caught up in of like a lot of compliments and different things like that. And he was like, no, like this, this person, um, and like watching them grow. And I mean, in a sense, their salvation or just watching Jesus kind of win their, win their heart, win their soul. Like that's worth it, man. Um, and it's awing because it is Jesus working. Um, but it's like, dang, yeah, that um, I was a part, like my life was, was a part of that. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. Exactly. I was just thinking of that story because it was, it was like utterly, utterly simple and just like right, right in front of him. Um, the whole, the whole time. Hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think that's where you see the, the playing out of, you know, what, I guess what the priestly vocation is, because if you're looking for fruit or trying to bear fruit in a way that's, um, well, I don't know how, what's the best way to say it, but not in accord with your vocation or, or maybe, um, according to your own wants and desires, then it, it is going to be super duper frustrating. Like, why doesn't my life look differently? Um, so I guess if you live priesthood similar to, um, you know, that, that couple that you're talking or that person that you were talking about, Connor, that says, I'm going to do Christmas this way it, just how I want it. <laughs> and then nieces and nephews come and eat Santa's cookies and, and rain on that parade. Like the same things happen in priesthood. It's like, no, I, I want to live priesthood freely and fully as a as a father who has children who are are going to uncontrollably break into my life and allow God's grace to break in as well. And I want to have eyes to see that instead of like a direction where where I think I need to move, aka like all those things that you mentioned, Rob is so right. Uh receiving compliments, uh saving the world uh even just saving my whole parish or you know it that's that's not what it's about but it's it's really easy to get caught up in a lot of that to not be looking at the right things um you know which is which is the our children you know and and so it gets to the priestly vocation and that 
you know, the priesthood of the baptized is meant to be served by the priesthood of the ordained, like the ministerial priesthood of Jesus Christ. That that That's what the priesthood exists for, is to sanctify the laity, so that then the laity can go out and sanctify the world. And uh, there's something so beautiful when you when we actually channel that correctly and we allow the Lord to be the little seeds that we're planting in people uh, and then to watch Jesus bear fruit in people's hearts. Cause then it's all Jesus. It's like, that's Jesus bearing fruit in your heart. And I saw it. And that's a very beautiful thing. Um, that's a part of seeing my, my actual dadness played out in, in the proper way, maybe in a really little way, but in something concrete right in front of me that that fruit just bore life and God's salvation was there. But it, but it is a bit more mysterious because they're, they're not actually going to come in and um, eat your cookies. And I don't know that there, there is something about um, like, I've always wondered what <laughs> this is going to sound so weird, but what would my baby look like? <laughs> like they would look. Well, you know like, that depends, right? That obviously, obviously, it depends. But like <laughs> to have another creature be like an image of you. Whoa! And I, I think that actually exists in the spiritual order too. I think that's you can see the actual spiritual um, image or the spiritual resemblance uh, of of people. Um, you know, depending on on who's born life in their heart, on on who's been their fathers and and their mothers and their parents, um, but to actually hold a small human being that looks like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what an insane thing! It's so cool. Totally, it's one of those moments that's like everything before that, and then everything after that. It's not. There's no. There's no going back. Every person I've ever talked to, mostly guys, once they become fathers. Joe Pug talked about that. Um, becoming yeah. a dad. That was cool. This yeah, here. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because sometimes I do feel like this. Um, obviously, we're called father. You come out of the seminary and it's, it's weird when people older than you are calling you father and you've done nothing mm-hmm. to to deserve it. Um, you haven't shown up for people yet. Um, you've just gone to school for a really long time and then got ordained. So I do feel like there's part of it that subjectively needs to be kind of lived into before it's really authentic. Um, and it is, it is metaphorical, sacramental, symbolic. Um, but it's all, that's why it's important to understand the sacramental nature and the, this is my hobby horse always but all fatherhood comes from god you know it's not like the priest is like a dad and the dad is the archetype you know it's that all fatherhood comes from the father and anything that looks like it anything that reflects that goodness of self-sacrificial love of taking delight in the other um in teaching in forming in cultivating um you know, like what you're talking about is you're not you're not in this for the compliments or the money. You're in this for maybe one day being forgotten, but you bore fruit in your life, so that itself was enough. You know, your your children, um, 
being alive is enough. You don't, you don't need to suck any more marrow out of life than that, you know? And so you're free. Um, that's love. And that's the heart of, of every father. Um, so it's mysterious, but I'm actually wearing my UIC dad shirt that a student gave me. Right Did now. you finally get one? Dude, yeah. nice. Just happened to be wearing it. Maybe it was providential. No, coincidence. No, Rob. There are no happens for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Were you gonna were you gonna say something there, Rob, before Connor cut you off rudely? <laughs> I just want to hear more about dude, you seem to be jamming on this gardening. I just want to hear more about it. Like yeah. you uh, just just talk about it, man. Yeah, the uh, other day I was I was out there and I'm like, man, it would be cool to to even put more plots here, like longer ones. And <clears throat> I've got I, I just jammed a bunch of seeds into these little four by four things that I built. I cut the sod and put some compost and stuff in there and planted a few tomatoes, some hot peppers, um, and then a bunch of cucumbers, some green beans, some corn, but it's all, it needs to get thinned out cause it's just jammed in there and everything's growing like crazy. Everything's really mm. healthy, but once the cucumbers start making cukes, it's going to be insane in there. Um, so, <laughs> So then I'm thinking, man, well, Blaha has this whole like urban farm he's doing. He's got chickens and bees and stuff down in Kansas. Dang. So cool. as always, I have Blaha Envy. And then I'm thinking I could make like longer plots here to kind of like border two corners of our of our patio. So that's not like blocking anybody from coming up. But when you come in, then you see that there's there's this like organic garden here. You could do corn, you could do all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really cool. Um, that slow, like every day it changes, but not a ton. And you know, you start noticing it. I mean, do I was you, talking a, a lot about Wendell Berry last yeah. year and that whole return to the land thing. And I think I have a, I have a hunger for it, but I, I'm, like I said, totally innocent of like what it all takes. And, um, Remember you you invited me down to harvest one time. Was that last October? Like, Anytime. Connor, you seem to be interested in farming. You actually want to farm? I'm like, nah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of it. Yeah. Um, well, it was, yeah. I mean, today's farming, you are a romantic. Let's just say that. I thought it would yeah. be good for, yeah, absolutely. But anytime, come down to harvest for sure. Yeah. I almost got to go to a branding in California when I was living out there. I helped... Uh, wrangle oh, some wow. cows and to move them from one field to another because they do a lot of free range but it's a fence out place where they if you want your cows to be on your land you have to fence them in and fence out mm. the other cows so they would move them from alfalfa field to alfalfa field so i got to know this uh rancher and i helped him that one time and then there was talk of branding the calves which i was told was kind of fun um <laughs> it's hard work but then you get done and then you just have a party but something happened like it rained that day or something like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the Karstens, you know, the Karstens have that farm up in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they, DMAC would always go up for the, like when they had lambs. Um, I think they slaughter a lamb for Easter. Yeah. Oh, cool. 
Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy, said the the dirtiest job he ever did was castrating lambs. Oh, dude, when he tells that story, that is insane. <laughs> talk I talk about exactly a romantic being about. shattered. Your your oh, ideal vision of a farm life. Gosh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so brutal, oh. and these and these kids just like not even thinking twice. It's just part of the day. Gosh, yeah. Well, I would, yeah. So, is the gardening? Does it like? Is it the ref, the reflection that it that it offers? I mean, because even that that story you told about the strawberry plant is is cool, man. Like that's a deep and like very biblical like imagery there, which is which is really cool. Um, or is it? Does it like make you feel? I'm just I'm genuinely curious. Does it make you feel like more grounded to the place that you're in? Definitely. Or Okay. Okay. Yeah, it makes me love this place and want it to be more beautiful and want more people to share in it. It's actually to bring it full circle. There's this couple, young couple, um, that teaches at a high school nearby that lives in the neighborhood that has a little two-year-old daughter that they come. The daughter loves the garden because there's like rabbits and I have a bird feeder out there and she chases the rabbits and stuff and she's so cute. She's got her little bike helmet on and face mask. So I've never actually seen her face, but <laughs> she's just toddling around trying to chase these rabbits but she has taken to the strawberry plant like every day going and checking on it and her dad kind of showing her so that that itself too is like you you make something for sure like more cucumbers are going to grow in this thing than i could possibly eat in a year so you're going to have to share you know so there's there's an abundance to it um the fact that you just all I did was put a seed in some dirt and that seed took whatever was in the dirt that was a cucumber and is starting to make it, you know, it's just like it's miraculous. Um, and you just you're harnessing something that's preceded you and will be will keep going along after you're dead. You know, it's just like the natural, the the real, the local. Um, it focuses you in on what's happening right in front of you, you know, even putting a bird feeder up. I mean, this is such, such like middle-aged dad or grandma thing. My grandma's the one who has, who I, I know to be the bird watch. She took me bird watching once when I was in junior high and I thought this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. Um, and it was like, it was a whole group of like 30, 30 elderly people and me with binoculars and I have shaky hands, so I can't really hold binoculars very well. So it just wasn't a good deal, but I, put up this bird feeder and you're like all of a sudden you're aware of all the birds that are singing you know what i mean because you're just you're just in your place um the book of creation you know reading from that a little bit when i bet it's such a stark contrast as well being in the city yeah definitely i guess it, i bet it flourishes even more mm-hmm Yeah, to make a place beautiful, to watch other people enjoy the beauty of it. That's, that's, that's really it. cool. That is I, cool. I am definitely going to pray with uh, just that image of like how we look at those kids. Is I mean, that's legitimately an image of how the Father looks at us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great place to start prayer. Yeah. <clears throat> Man. Because no joke. Whatever those kids wanted, I would give them slash my whole, everything in that moment is about them. 
totally about them. And, and there's just like such, such a delight and an overflow of joy in watching them. Yeah. I remember this memory just came to me for some reason. I was, I don't know how old, but old enough to remember this, but barely. I had a ton of cousins on my mom's side. She was the oldest of eight. So every time we had a holiday, it was just like madhouse running around, kicked, kicked out of the house, go play outside kind of thing. And I found this bottle cap to like a, you know, like a 20 ounce pop plastic cap. And, uh, you know how they, sometimes they'll like say something on the inside, you want another pop or something. And I brought it in and I thought it was cool. And I showed it to my uncle and he's like, I'll give you a dollar for that. And he get, I was like, okay. And I, <laughs> it's like five or six years old. And then I had a dollar all of a sudden. And I, I just remember being like over the moon. And then I sp- spent the rest of the time looking for another one. Like maybe I could find another bottle cap, get another dollar. I could just now imagine being that uncle, giving a kid a dollar for something and just loving the delight that the kid has in the fact that he just he just earned a dollar from something he found, this treasure. Um, yeah, man, it's it's weird. Your, perspe- your perspective changes. You know, I, I always go back to that La Cordaire quote. I read in uh, The Priest is Not His Own, Fulton Sheen, that someday you enjoy only souls, you know, not the mountains and the trees. And as you get older, you can enjoy only souls. Um, and you can never, you can always love, even if you can't climb mountains and see beautiful places or travel, or even if you're stuck in a wheelchair in a nursing home, you can still wonder at the soul of another, you know, and love them. Yippers. Well, you had a hard out, Bob. Yep, got three minutes. I almost called you. I almost called you Bob. Whoa, Bob Whoa. Johnson. Bob Johnson was my grandpa. Nice. That's why I was. Yeah. That That's was why Bob. you were Rob. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't know if that was the only reason, but I was named after my two grandfathers, so Robert and Paul. And huh. uh, yep. And so my grandpa was Bob Johnson, and. So I was always Rob Johnson. So I don't, Man. I don't think it's ever going to switch over to Bab, but never know. Bab. I guess I feel like having a name like Bob Johnson is perfect Google camouflage. Like no one will ever be able to Google you <laughs> and find you. <laughs> oh man, yeah. There have probably been millions of Bob Johnsons in the history of history of Earth. Only so one's my grandpa, only... though. You yeah, know, well, yeah. There's only one Rob Johnson. That's right. Only one. Mm-hmm. This, Yeah, this is a couple minutes, but uh, my brother, my parents were over at my brother's. Actually, this was yesterday. He was texting us pictures, which was so funny because like my little niece, I think my mom was like doing her toenails or something like that, which was hysterical, like the picture of. But then he texted another picture of my dad just holding uh, their latest son, Benjamin, who's what? two or three months old or something, almost three months old. And my dad was just passed out asleep on the couch, like baby in his arm, you know, to- like baby's totally secure, just sleeping. And it was, honestly, it was, it could have been my grandpa Bob holding hmm. one of us. It was, wow. it was such a cool, such a cool and just funny, funny picture. 
which is really good. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, we're getting old, y'all. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's it. Just, that's just wild, man. We're still with it though. We still got it. There oh we my go. gosh. We're on we're the lit. we're on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. We know what the Facebook is. Yeah. Connor's um, running a band camp. Yeah. <laughs> we got a band camp. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm super close to figuring out what hashtags are. Um, <laughs> kind of what they mean. We're totally well, listening. now you're off Marco Polo, so <laughs> maybe you're cool was, though. You know, like dropping things sometimes. You, exactly, you have to be hip to to even be like beyond something. It just ran its course for me, and we're never, yeah. ever, ever going to top that video that it's we already I know, have. I know. And so no. that was the pinnacle. Everything else is done. I, I yeah. deleted it too. Oh, nice. Did you? No. Yeah, so now, oh, Connor, you're the only one on there? You still use Marco Polo? You're on Marco Polo, dude? <laughs> what? I've had some randos that I haven't talked to in a long time Marco Polo me because your contacts automatically get uploaded. But it's been cool. Yeah. Dude, Actually, Marco Polo it. is so, so May 2020. Yeah. May. What's June? It's yeah. so May, man. Absolutely. That was so June 10th. Ugh. But I'm yeah. so cool that I'm using something that's kind of retro, that's kind of a month old kind Dang of thing. It. Dang it. <laughs> Let's get Marco. Now, a month old is retro. <laughs> that is pretty retro. All right. I got I to gotta roll. See you, dudes. All right. Laters. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisque, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.